This weekend, I want to wrap up this entire Because Love Builds season. There is this innate desire on the inside of us to build something. All of us, whether it is building a home, whether it is building a family, it's building a career, building a future. It is, it is designed on the inside of us that we, we, we like to build. We want to build something. And building is fun because it is very fulfilling, especially when you see visible results in the things that you're trying to build. People like to do startups now and they get excited when their product is being mentioned or being advertised, being marketed. And when you see your hard work, what you're building, you're saving up to buy a house or buy a car, or you want to build your investment portfolio, you see all these visible results, you, you become very happy, you, 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 you're satisfied because your labor is turning into fruits. Are you all with me this morning? But then again, in trying to achieve all these things, we sometimes fail to realize that all these are only half the story. All the achievements on the outside, on our outer world, it's only half the story. The other half is something that we hardly talk about. In James chapter 4 and verse 1, the Bible says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So the, the struggle, the challenges that we face in our lives with other people very often stem from this battle that is going on on the inside of us. Why do I say the outer world is only half the story? Because the other half, which is the most important half, is actually our inner world. The health of our inner world. So often, and in fact, me, after so many years becoming a Christian, only now I realize the importance of my inner world and my soul. And if we do not deal with this issue and our soul is neglected, then a lot of things will not go as strongly as we like it to be. Why is that so? Perhaps there is not enough understanding about the soul. Perhaps there is a lack of teaching of what soul care or soul keeping it's all about. We, we, we do not seem to know what it is. Even until today, some of us are still thinking. Our, our whole person is made up of our will, our mind, and our body. The soul is the whole totality of us. It is who we are. It is the center of our being. And if our soul is the center of our being and it's not taken care of, then how can we be truly contented in our lives and in our walk with God? And perhaps on the other side, on the other hand, it is the invisibility of the condition of our soul that make it way easier to conceal the shortcoming, the dents, and the, if, and the defects of our soul. If you come to church on a Sunday, when you come to church on a Sunday, you ask somebody, hey, how are you doing? Most likely, more often than not, you will hear, I'm well, how about you? So, it is, it is something that once you say you're well, the other party will not really go and pursue, are you sure you're well? No. So, it's easy to conceal. Or perhaps, if something is wrong with our soul, it is harder to fix than when our car has a dent on the way to church. If my car is not working or I have a scratch, I can always send it to a workshop and then it is settled. But without a healthy inner world, none of our life's achievements are truly meaningful and fulfilling. And if we place all our hope in our outer world's achievements, in our investment, our houses, our degree, our master's degree, our whatever that is on the outer world, if we place all our focus, our efforts to them, and the moment there's a sudden loss of our achievements, it may lead to a total collapse of both our external and our internal world. If we all our hope, you know, you, you work so hard, you try to perform, and 
you save up your money and you, this is my dream house. And I'm going to make sure that it is going to the place that I like to live, have my friends, and you put everything in. And you put in all your effort, all your time. You, you no longer go hang out with your friends anymore because you want to save money. You don't have to overspend because you have to pay for the loan. And then suddenly one day, you know, the developer couldn't finish the project. The project is stranded and you realize all that you have worked for suddenly just collapsed overnight. And if our whole future, our whole life is dependent on that house that you wanted to buy, when that collapsed, the whole of us will be in trouble. The soul, the totality of our being is made by God. It is made for God and it is made to need God. That is how God designed us. God designed us to be in fellowship, to be in community with Him. That means we are not <coughs> designed to be self-sufficient. We are not designed to be a stand-alone unit. We are not designed to function all by ourselves, <coughs> do everything all by ourselves. We are designed to be in community, in fellowship with God. And so the more open we are towards the vulnerability of the fact that I will never be truly satisfied unless I have God, the more vulnerable we are, the happier and more fulfilled we are. That I will come to a place in my life, hey, it is wonderful to have all these things, but the most beautiful part is that I have God in me and I need God. The more we focus on ourselves, the more we lose our soul, the more we lose the ability to connect with other people. We are designed both with a need for a community and a desire to build a community. Are you with me? We, we are designed naturally to, to need a community. So after church, I want to encourage us as a church uh, to to have a habit that we do not let anyone go out for lunch alone. And everybody say, Amen. One more time. No one go for lunch alone. And everybody say, Amen. So we make it a desire in our church. We make it something that we want to do. We, we go out after church, after service. We look out for people. Hey, hi, how are you? I, I don't know you. Where are you going for lunch? You know, can you want to join our, our, our group? We are going to have bakute or chicken rice or whatever. Don't tell me, Pastor, I, I don't know who to ask. I don't know them. Precisely, that's the point. You don't know them. That's why you invite them. And I lost my friends. <laughs> are you with me or not? So, so we want to build that because that community, it's something that is originally designed by God. I know it will take a while before we get used to it. I remember uh, two years ago, I said, I want to make it a point that every time when we come to church at the end of the service, it will be a natural thing for us to pray for one another. And I remember the first time we were doing it, you know, so many people were so uncomfortable. The pastor said, all right, let's pray for each other. Everyone will be mm, looking at their phone. Fadita, uh, Fadita, like, Oh, go for lunch, you know? But hey, you know what? We didn't give up. We kept going, and two years later, now when we say pray for each other, I'm happy. I'm happy to say that you're more comfortable in turning to your neighbor. You're more comfortable to ask them, can I pray for you? And, and it's beautiful because that's what the community, it's all about. The next thing we're going to work on is no one go for, for lunch alone. Is it okay? And so, if we are designed to build a community, our soul must first be healthy, otherwise we cannot truly love and help others. So as we draw this entire sermon series and this whole theme from January to March to a close, I want us to learn two more things, all right, about our soul. And I pray that I would have given you enough material, enough understanding, and enough tools for you to keep going and keep growing your soul healthily. Is it okay? Yes? Young adult quieter me. Come on. Yes? Okay. So, I finished all the introduction. Let me go into the message for today.
Many years ago, uh, when, uh, when I was a student in high school, I hope there are no students here, um, a few of us wanted to go check out this island called Sipadan. When I said a few years ago, just now in the Chinese service, they were calculating a few years ago. One guy said, Pastor, the few years ago was 30 years ago. I'm like, okay. All right, I have to accept it. It was 30 years ago. Oh my God, 30 years ago when nobody ever heard about Sipadan Island. And I was in high school and I was in afternoon class. I so wanted to go. So I had to come up with this idea to, to lie to my teacher that I am not well, I need to go home. So the whole day I planned, no, I planned. And then at about 5 p.m., my friends from church were coming to pick me up from Tawau to drive to Samporna to go to Sipadan. Wow, I tell you, it was the Oscar winning performance. Chigu, oh, sakit. Tabole. Punapuna tabole, chigu. Napulanga. Adu, adu sakit. And I dramatically walk out from the front gate of my school and I left. Jump into the car. Fati chow, fati chow. So we drove for about an hour from Tawau to Samporna. And then we reached Samporna. And try to find our way to Sipadan. And I want you to know, 30 years ago, life was amazing. There was no plan, there was no strategy. So we reached Sampona, we went to all the fishermen's boat and asked them, Abang, kamu tahu Sampona, uh, Sipadan di mana? Tidak pernah dengar. Okay, never mind. We go to another boat. Abang, kamu tahu? Abang, 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 abang. Suddenly, one, saya tahu. Oh, ngam. Okay, kamu tahu Sipadan di mana? Saya tahu, saya pernah dengar. Itu pulau, ah, dekat sana itu. Okay. So we said, we will pay you X amount of money. I cannot remember how much we paid the guy. Kamu bawa kami pergi sana. Kami mau pergi bercuti. So we went there. In the night, man, I was still in my uniform. And then after about 20 minutes on the boat, the boat got stranded. It, it hit a sandbar. We have to jump off the boat and push the boat back into the sea. Can you imagine? Like, what kind of idea was that? And my mom didn't even know where I was going. I told them, I told her I was going to sleep in my friend's house. And <laughs> Pito is like, God, forgive him. Right? I know. Thank God Cohen's not here. He will tell you, Pastor, so like that, what? I'll be in trouble, right? So we pushed the, back, the boat back into the, the sea. Then we jumped back in. And then it went out. It set out. So in the middle of the night, I cannot remember what time, but it was dark. Uh, the fisherman just told us, okay, this is Sipadan. How do you know? You don't know. Because there was no signboard, you know? There's no, there was no villa. There was no uh, PSR. There was nothing. So we jumped into the sea because there was no uh, jetty. So we jumped into the sea and then, then said, quiet, huh? because got pirates. Okay, okay. So we were very quiet in the night, trying to pitch our tent in darkness. Cannot start fire, otherwise it will attract attention. Suddenly, got one pachi came out. Kamu dari mana? Oh, dari Tawau. Kenapa kamu sini? Bercuti. Kamu siapa? Ini pulau bapa saya kasih saya. Okay. Mau bayar tak perlu. Macam mana? Beli telur penyu. Okay. So we buy law, We buy turtle eggs for decoration. No, we didn't. All right, anyway, please don't ask me what we do with the eggs, okay? It's, uh, yeah. So it was the night, we pitched the tent in darkness, in, in quietness. So the next morning, we woke up. We knew it was Ipadan because it's very special. It's clear water because it's very shallow. And then there's a sudden 2,000 feet drop and then the water just becomes black. And it's quite stunning. Three days later, the fisherman was supposed to come and pick us up. The fact that I'm still standing here means he did lah, okay? All right. Let, let's clear the part first, all right? Clear the part. It was just purely based on trust. The point of my story was the dawn of the first sunset when we were sitting on the beach of that island. There was no... These, these, are not, these are not my picture, okay? Obviously, because those days don't have all this thing. But that first sunset, right? That golden hue and red and brown and I sat there right? I, I cannot explain what was going on in me but I just felt like this is so overwhelmingly beautiful 
can this just don't end? Can I just soak it in? Do you know what I'm talking about? Remember the first time some of you, you went to Switzerland and you saw the Alps for the first time? And it's like, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Like, wow, you want to open your eyes as big as possible, open your mouth and... Fun silent. You want to... Oh. And that was me. And I find myself, can this last forever? I don't have, a, I don't have words. I don't, I don't have the vocabulary to articulate what I experienced at that time. But today I can because I learned... Why was I feeling that way when I saw that first sunset out of Sipadan Island and looking out into the horizon? Because it is the nature of the soul to need. It is the nature of the soul to need. It is embedded on the inside of us that we always want more. We always want more. More time more wisdom, more beauty, more money, more funny YouTube videos, more public holidays. Amen. More holidays, more trips, more, more of everything. I want you to know each time you feel like you want more of something, more shopping, more clothes, more shoes. My wife recently asked me, darling, uh, I realized at night, uh, before sleep, uh, you always look at this website with clothes one. What are you doing? I need more clothes. I need more stuff. But the needing of more things in our life is actually our soul crying out. We never have enough. Ken Dundington said this, we are limited in every way but one. We have unlimited desire. How many of you know what I'm talking about? That, that, that desire that we want stuff will never come to an end. This week, some of the leaders came to me and said, Pastor, have you seen the new Huawei P30 Pro phone? It has four cameras. Yeah, I think it's great. We will buy it. We'll like it. But soon after you buy it, there will be another brand with eight cameras. Four in the front and four at the back. And then soon, it will be eight cameras at the back, eight cameras in front. And soon, one day, you know, the whole thing is a camera. You understand? Huh? <laughs> it will never end. Are you with me? If you know quantum physics, soon... There'll be one processor for two devices. Okay, never mind. Let's don't go there. But my point is this. There is this unlimited desire in us to want more. And I know you're feeling really bad now. Oh no, I'm a sinner. Oh no, I want more things. Oh no, I cannot stop having another bag or another pair of shoes or more clothes. The truth is this and don't miss this. The soul's infinite capacity to desire is the mirror image of God's infinite capacity to give. The fact that we have the capacity to keep needing things is to remind us that we have a God that can keep giving Himself to us without limit. Are you with me this morning? So it is something that it is designed by God that God can keep giving to us and we keep needing. What if the real reason we feel like we never have enough is that God is not yet finished giving? And there is still more that God wants to give to us. There is still more that God wants to show us. There is still more of God that God say, hey, my son and my daughters, there are still more that you have yet to experience. Do not think you have reached the pinnacle of your walk with me. The unlimited neediness of the soul matches the unlimited grace of God. And that is why we can never be satisfied with whatever beauty that we think it's beautiful right now because tomorrow when you wake up, 
you will want something more beautiful. Why? Because we have a God that can give you far more, the Bible tells us, than you can ever ask or imagine. And have you ever wondered? The Bible says that we can worship God in the beauty of His holiness. And it is beautiful to worship God. It is beautiful to experience the holiness of God. My friends, I cannot tell you how powerful is this thought. The soul's infinite capacity to desire is the mirror image of God's infinite capacity to give. But the thing is this, the problem is not in our soul's neediness. I don't want you to, I'm a Christian now, I don't need anything anymore. No. The problem is with our fallenness. The problem is with sin. The problem is when we are detached from God. Because our need for more is actually something that God has designed on the inside of us to point us back to God. So whenever you feel that it's this overwhelming need that cannot be satisfied with more shoes or more clothes or better phones or faster computers or nicer car or a bigger house or more handbags, it's because you know deep inside that crying for that need is not for material things but God Himself. And we need to know and we need to come with total transparency and vulnerability on the inside of us that what I truly need is God. And what can truly meet all my needs, it's God. Are you with me this morning? And that is why our soul needs <coughs> to be healthy. So, go back to 18 years ago when I first started church. And, uh, and I'm a pastor from Sabah. And uh, we're very humble because we have no money. So it's not humility by choice. We, we just live simply because, you know, we have very little. So I was leading this cell group uh, 18 years ago and local kids, local kids. So at the end of the cell group meeting, you know, as a good pastor, I asked her, all right, before we go home, everybody, please share your prayer needs so that we can pray for each other. What's your need? What's your need? What's your need? So we pray, 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 pray and I mean, we ask first. And then we reach this guy. Okay, young man, what's your need? Uh, I have no need. Why you have no need? Because my father is rich. Oh. At first I thought he was quite proud. But then I thought about it. He's right. I said, why you have no need? I don't know. Whatever I need, my father will give me. But he's a good boy. Like. He's like a really amazing kid. Uh, like what? Yeah, recently I got my license. I wanted a car. And I asked my dad, Dad, I need a car. And my father, the next day, went out with me and we bought a car. Oh. I said, good. So what car did you get? Uh, I don't know. I, we just got a BMW. Ouch. The pastor don't even have a car. You know, like, okay. Enjoy. So, no other need, no. Whatever I need, my dad will give me. You see, the thing is this. If we come to a place that we think that the material things will meet all the needs of our lives, we too, as Christians, as leaders, as believers, will be walking with God for many years. We too can come to a point that we think we do not need God. That we do not need to pray. Why? Because all that I want, I can purchase them and I can have them. You see, the soul is a little like the king on a chessboard. The king is the most limited of chess pieces. It can only move one square at a time. But if you lose the king, game over. Our soul is vulnerable because our soul is needy. If you meet those needs with the wrong things, game over. Or at least game not going well. We, church, hear this. Do not need more stuff. We do not need more titles. We do not need more validations and approvals from people. 
All these can become idols in our lives. What our soul truly needs is God. That the deepest longing within us is God Himself. Psalms 84 and verse 2. The Bible says, My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist says that the deepest longing to the point that I will faint, it's when I am in the courts of God. And that is why so often when people come to church and they come to worship God, they, they, they cry. They do not know what is happening on the inside of them. When everyone is lifting up their hands, they may not be a Christian. And I've heard so many stories. You know what? The worship was really special. Especially there's this one part that you guys speak in a, I don't know what you all speak in, like a language that I never heard before. I don't know what you were saying. I don't know what you guys were talking about. But those moments, I feel different. People will cry in the presence of God. People will be touched by the presence of God. You, you don't, I mean, church may not have music as good as a concert, but you experience something when you're worshipping God together. <clears throat> you, don't, you don't see people going to Jackie Chong concert or, or, or J. Cho concert and they, you know, with all the the light stick, they're like, Jicho, don't have one. You understand or not? You, you may be wow by him. You are wow. Like the first time we saw Jackie Chung live, it was wow. But you don't have those teary moments when Coldplay sing whatever, what they sing, I don't remember, yellow or, or up and up. Like you, don't, you don't raise your hand and you don't, you don't. And, and so it goes on to tell us, your soul is alive. You are alive on the inside. Whether you are Christian or not, you know and you can experience God. Are you all with me? And our soul begins to grow in God the moment we acknowledge our basic neediness, which is God Himself. And I want to, and I hope that this understanding will help you. I want to give you one last tool. The two things I want to talk about, the second thing, is how to keep our soul healthy. We keep our soul healthy by speaking to it. Let me help. Yesterday I was struggling with this point and trying to make it as clear as possible. Another way of keeping our soul, the totality of our being healthy, is by speaking to it. We all need to know, firstly, that we are not the master, but the keeper of the soul. We are steward. When you realize that everything that all of us have in our lives is merely stewarding a manager of everything that God has given to us, and you realize you don't possess and own everything, you come to a place of surrender. You come to a place of peace that your house, you have the right to manage it right now. Your car, your resources, your wealth. And I want to talk about our children. Our children is not ours to keep. Our children, it's a privilege that God has given to us in this lifetime, in this journey, to manage them because ultimately they belong to God. Are you all with me this morning? And so we need to know that we are not the master of our own lives. We just get to keep it for this period of time. Then, how do I differentiate between speaking to myself and speaking to my soul? Do you all know that every day, the person that you talk to the most is yourself? When you're driving, you know, like, you keep thinking, why am I so silly the other day? I should have done this. Oh no, I forgot. I, how come I didn't think about this? You are always talking to yourself. And that's not soul keeping, okay? That's talking to yourself. But in order to keep your soul healthy, you have to learn to speak to your soul. And how is speaking to our soul different from talking to ourselves? Number one, you need to realize that your soul always present in God. That means 
The difference between talking to myself and speaking to my soul is that speaking to my soul, it's always in the reality of the presence of God in your life. And that speaking to your soul will naturally turn into prayer because God is there. Are you with me? So, so that means instead of just, Ayah, why I didn't do this? Why I'm so silly? Why? why? You begin to speak <coughs> to your soul and talk to your soul and ask your soul, why are you so upset? <coughs> why are you so agitated? Why are you so angry? And in that moment, when you begin to speak to your soul in the presence of God, that asking and questioning and dealing with the soul, God will reveal Himself to you. And it is something that, it's a discipline, and it is a practice that all of us can do. So that you don't just talk to yourself, you speak to your soul and turn it into a prayer. In Psalms 43, and I'd like to read to you, the psalmist here is speaking to his soul, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with lyre, of God, my God. Why my soul, he's talking to his soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. This verse 5 is an ultimate summary of talking to our soul. It says, why my soul, are you downcast? Why are you, Kevin? Why are you, my son, my daughter, Esther, Mary, John? Why are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within you? And then it turned into prayer. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. The speaking to your soul turns that little chat, that little moment into prayer. And you invite God to be with you. And you realize that the ultimate need is God Himself. I went to Penang on Friday to attend one of our leaders' wedding for City Light Church. And uh, because I've been in this, is the band up? Can we tell the band? Uh, I was, we were in this season of soul keeping, so I'm very aware. I've been writing devotional for you guys. How many of you enjoyed the devotional? Was it okay? You all like it? I have good news for you. Tomorrow, we are launching a new five-day devotional. Amen? So you can look forward to uh, next five days. I've written soul keeping part two. The following week, Paji is going to write, am I following here? I better don't overpromise. The following week, Paji has written on the book of Job to help us uh, deal with, you know, that, that unanswered prayer. But, but that will be the following week. So I've been writing a lot of this soul-keeping stuff and, you know, really working on the condition of my own soul. So I went to, uh, I was going to go Penang on Friday. When I, at first my flight was one. And then they delayed to two. Meishan told me, Pastor, your flight's delayed to two. So I changed an earlier flight for you, otherwise it'd be too rushed. So she changed to a 1045 uh, flight. So I have to go early because she said it's a last minute change. So I went there at nine plus and uh, sitting there waiting for my flight, 1045. You know, at, at 1040, nobody make any call. You know something is wrong. Ting, the board changed to 11 a.m. I'm like, okay, 15 minutes, no problem, that's okay. And at almost 11, still no announcement, so I got my luggage, I'm ready to go to Penang, attend this wedding, and I come back. Ding, the board changed to 2 p.m. Huh? That's just ridiculous. It's like 11 to 2 p.m., and that's like three hours. What happened? So, immediately, all the people in the flight to Penang all went to the counter, and they start this barrage of attack over the 
the lady and wow so many people came <coughs> I was already there I want you to know prior to soul keeping I'm the gang leader I will be the first one to bang the table what are you guys doing I tell you you really don't want to see that because you will change church you will be like what kind of pastor is this I'll be furious I will have you know so I was I cannot tell you I was happy I was not happy but I wasn't as angry I cannot tell you I wasn't angry but I was a little upset but but I was going to start my complaint and everybody around me wow, they start to hit the thing how can you do this to us you don't have plan one man you don't know what time man what are they wait 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 wait, wait. I like wow wow wow, wow. so then this girl was so tam, you know, she was trying to fly back to Penang to attend a funeral. I don't know whose funeral, and she was crying. And, uh, you know, thank God there was another lady there to comfort her. And everyone was yelling at them and, and shouting at her. I, I tell you, right, the me of the past, because of this injustice and inefficiency in planning your flights, because it was the airport from Langkawi was closed for Lima, and uh, so the plane cannot fly out and all that, blah, 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 blah. Wow, everyone was shouting and screaming and then the security guard was whipping out his phone and trying to shoot the video I said, excuse me, why are you shooting video? It's your fault and uh, no, it's to send it to my boss so that my boss will come oh. Okay, okay, never mind Okay, okay Everyone was yelling and, and uh, I cannot help the, the, the poor girl I look at her She also wanted to cry She cannot scold her She also wanted to cry Sometimes, right, I really cannot do this airline thing. When something wrong, right, it's always the girl that come out. On. Where are the older guys? Like, where are the managers, you know? They're all hiding. Send a girl there. Like, this is so bad. So then, she said, I really cannot do anything. We tried our best, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're going to give you food voucher for the delay of flight. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want to tell you what flight it was. I'm not here to find fault with other people but they gave a voucher of 10 ringgit <laughs> you know some of those guys in suit and tie and everything they are like are you kidding me 10 bucks at the airport what am I going to eat so then the girl said I'm sorry it's not my I don't make this decision it's a company direction you give me taxi fare. I want to go outside. Oh, quarrel, quarrel, quarrel. And I'm still stunned sitting there. I haven't started my barrage of attack yet, you know, like. I found myself the last one at the counter. Everybody left. Some left with the 10 ringgit voucher, some no voucher, some just left, some just angry. Some just sit there, sat there and got totally stunned. Then there was me and her. I look at her. I say, Miss, next time if there's a delay, you really have to read the email properly and what happened. She didn't even have time to read the memo. She just have to, because the two o'clock already changed and people were coming, attacking her. I said, firstly, you have to know why it is delayed. Form your thoughts. Explain to the passenger what happened and what you're trying to do. And then you tell them. And this is the best we can do right now because something unexpected happened. If two o'clock, you cannot take off, you'll be in greater trouble. So you better make sure what time the airport in Langkawi open back so that the flight can come back in. She looked at me. Thank you, sir. I also walk away stunned. What just happened? I was supposed to scream at her. And I, that's that awareness of God that I just cannot look at her like other person. I want to try to look at her as a pastor, as God would look at her. And the Malay guards that's there, they are not the officers. Then they say, Nasib baik kamu ada di sini. Kalau tidak, saya pun tak tahu apa berlaku. I like, you know what? Before this, if it's me last time, I would have screamed at her too, you know? Then I remembered, you guys okay? You warm up now, right? More stories. So I remember many years ago, not too many years ago like this one like three four years ago i'm the best driver in malaysia who is not all of us are the car in front of me is stupid because he's driving too slow 
the car behind me is stupid because it's not riding too fast. I'm always the person with the right speed. I remember, I remember when my wife first came back from Australia before we were married. And at one time we were trying to go out of this, I mean, we were driving on this straight road. This car just came out and uh, cut into my lane. I was so furious. I know some of you, you're nudging your husband now. I know. He's talking about you, all right? I know. And, and I was so angry, I overtook that car and then drove in front of that car really slow. And then I looked at the rear mirror and said, now you know what I felt. My wife turned to me, does that make you happier? Yes, of course. Can't you tell me I'm happy now? I was like that. For many years, I know a lot of you are still like that. For many years, I drove like that. And it, it got really worse when I have to start taking Aiton to school at 6 a.m. in the morning. I tell you what, all the Malaysians that have to drive at 6 a.m. in the morning, they are a totally different breed altogether. They, man, everyone is upset, everyone is crazy, you know. And uh, whenever you are always angry with people, the front, the person in front is surely an auntie one. Sorry, guys. Sorry. I confess, I said it. Sorry, sit in. Maybe it was in in the front, you know, like always auntie one, you know. But the six o'clock morning traffic, I tell you, it is next level craziness. Everyone is honking. Everyone is angry. Everyone, you know, the teacher is trying to rush to the school. The student is trying to rush to the school. The people who are working in the city is trying to rush to their office because they want to go to the gym first before they start their work. Everyone is upset. And me, the pastor, of course, I'm Malaysian. I'm upset too. You know, everyone is honking and angry and yelling at each other. It went on for a long period of time. That morning became a very scary thing. And so, after dropping my kid to school, I have to drive really quick to go home because I need to catch another half an hour's sleep before I go to work. <sighs> One day, I didn't know, but now I know, I talked to my soul. I asked myself, why, why am I so upset? Why am I so angry? I didn't know where it came from. I just started talking to my soul. And the nature of speaking to your soul, it will naturally turn into prayer. And then I heard this faint, small voice that I suppose must be the voice of God. And God asked me, Why are you so upset? I actually never asked myself, Have you ever asked yourself, why you can be so upset while you're driving. And I found myself telling God because I hate being late. I don't like to be late for meetings. I don't like to be late for work. I don't like to be late for anything. Then that still small voice tells me, why don't you just leave the house 10 minutes earlier? Huh? I said, I didn't think about that. Okay. And since then, I've been leaving my house 10 minutes earlier for everything. So I always have ample time. And since I left my house 10 minutes earlier to take my kid to school, we will never be late. No matter how slow I drive, we will always be on time. And I, I stop screaming at other people. I stop yelling. And I spend more time actually in the car having a real meaningful conversation with my son rather than being upset on the road all the time. And... Uh, I cannot be late anymore. And I realize I'm so happy. I'm so at peace. And I used to, when people cut my lane, I will wind down the window. Aye! Not always, but happen. Aye! Now they cut my lane. I wind down the window. Andy, go first. Uncle, uncle, school bus, go first. One day, my wife was in the car with me and uh, we were driving on this road and in near the 1U area. And you know this junction, right? The car's always very desperate to come out and nobody let them go. And you know how Malaysian, right? You let the first car go, the second car follow on. Then the third car also like, hey, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So all the cars keep coming up, keep coming up. So I was there, I wasn't rushing. 
I let the first car go and then second car and the third car and the fourth car and the fifth car. By the time it was the sixth car, my, my wife said, okay la, darling, can already, can. Enough lah, huh? Even Jesus doesn't have to let so many cars go, okay? You, you can go already. Maybe what we need is to learn to speak to our soul and turn that into prayer. These days, I'm very proud to tell you, maybe it's old age, but I'm a happy driver. You can cut my lane and I will, God bless you, come to church next week. <laughs> Amen. Turn with me to Psalms 1 as I draw to a close. Are you guys okay? Are you learning something? You know, our world is hectic. Our, the marketplace is busy all the time, demands and expectation. We really need to do this if we want to do life well. Psalms 1 verse 1 to verse 3, to me, is a perfect picture of soul-keeping. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in a way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prosper. A tree in the desert planted by the streams of water is the perfect picture of a healthy soul. That the tree is not affected by the harsh weather of the desert, by the sand, by the humid, humidity, the dryness, the hot air. It still has flowers, it still fruits, it still has leaves because it is planted by the streams of water. And if our soul is planted in the water of the Word of God, the health of your soul is not circumstantial. It is not affected by the things that are happening around you. It is not affected by what is happening in your office whether you are achieving, whether you're not achieving, whether things are happening, things are not happening, you're not affected because your soul is secure. Your soul is secure in God. Your soul knows that the ultimate answer to all that I'm facing right now is not in my workplace, but it is in God Himself. I pray we all learn as we learn, I'm learning. I can't tell you I'm, I have one victory story, so I can only tell you that story. But I'm still working on other areas in my life. And I want you to learn to build that. To learn to really have our soul planted in the Word of God, in the presence of God. And I want to wrap up by saying this. You know, because our world changed so much, and uh, the thing that is causing this dissatisfaction in our soul is our inability to be fully present. I remember there was a time in my life where I wasn't there, I was so stressed, there was so much distraction in my life, I would go home, I'm physically there, my wife, my wife knew I wasn't there. She would talk to me, I will answer her, and there's no harmony inside me. My will, my mind, and my body, they're not there. You know, you know how we always ask people, are you there? And that inability to be fully present, it's a real problem in the world that we live in today. I was stressed, but at the same time, I was also distracted. I was constantly, you know, wanting to know what's happening, what else I need to do. I got so much work that I have to keep up with. And I realized, one of the things that happened was when we watch movie, we will be looking at our phone because trying to enjoy a movie, we are replying work stuff. And after a while, I realized I don't remember the movie. I don't remember any part on the movie because I was never fully present. And it was really bad. When we're eating, everyone is looking at their phone and no one is talking. I want to encourage us, church. When you 
allow your soul to be distracted by doing too many things at any one time, the health of our soul will deteriorate. You know, we, we can never be fully present in one place at a time. We want to drive our car and reply emails. We want to eat a meal and try to do some work. We try to have coffee with somebody and then meet somebody else on the phone. When you're not fully present, you cannot experience God. When we come to church, when we are worshipping God, we are all guilty. The first season when WhatsApp has a chat group, it felt like the most convenient app on planet Earth. All the leaders in the front, we are worshipping God. <laughs> but all of us will be so busy. Lyrics, wrong, change. So we are always texting. Okay, icon to call. We're always texting each other. Can we change this? Can we fix this? Can we do this? We're forever worshipping God, but forever holding the phone. So we were never fully present, never fully being in the presence of God. And so after a while, we feel dry. After a while, we feel like coming to church like meaningless. After a while, we feel like coming to church, we could not get anything out of it. Why? Because we cannot be fully present. The moment somebody go up to do offering, it's the best time to catch up with some social media news. And then we say the offering is boring. The, bo the offering is irrelevant. Maybe some cannot communicate that well. Maybe that's true. But it's also us allowing distraction. When it's preaching time, we also want to update Facebook where we do not know what's happening on the other side. Church, it is not just for service. It is for the totality, the health of our lives that we all learn to do one thing at a time. If you're having a lunch with somebody, look them in the eyeball, listen to their story, talk to them. When you're driving, drive your car. When you're at home, talking to your spouse, talking to your children, don't have a phone in your hand and tell them, Selah, I'm listening. And your eyes on the phone. If we continually remain not fully present, it is a disservice to others. It is a disservice to our own soul. We will not be healthy. I want us to put down our phone, just close our eyes and bow our head.